Well, that's a good tune. Gosh, can't go wrong with a little bit of Elton John. Um, uh, the film that uh, came out recently about him was amazing as well. Like such a such a star, like so much charisma. Uh, big fan. So um, thanks, Clemente. Appreciate that. Um, got a fun show for you today. Got some special guests, uh, Chris and Thomas uh, from Floor and WGMI. Good to see them. Um, we've got all sorts of interesting topics we're going to tackle, some news. Um, if you're new to the Daily Dose, um, why don't you uh, uh, throw up a little heart? Let's see uh, who's new. Um, I appreciate you all being here. Thanks for joining us. The Daily Dose is a daily Twitter space uh, where we really want to educate you, support you, connect you, um, uh, and really empower you to learn about Web3 and, and, and join the Web3 community. Um, we're all about being inclusive and friendly. We hope this is just a fun 60 minutes of your day. Um, if you see some uh, people around you in the Twitter space, why don't you say hi? Give them a quick follow. Give them a reply. Uh, connect to each other. Um, the, the Daily Dose community is so strong because it's driven by you all. And the fact that you're connecting and supporting and meeting each other, um, that's the real power. So please keep doing that. Uh, don't forget, we are also on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So if you missed the show, you can always listen um, at your own leisure. Um, I won't be able to to say hi to you live if you do that, but but, but um, you can still listen and catch back up, which is always fun. Um, let's also get Lucky Trader up here. Um, let's do a little comment. So uh, one of my favorite things about the show is reading all of your comments. So smash that purple comment button, the bottom right of your screen. Uh, and why do you answer this question today? What is your favorite place that you have traveled to? Would love to see some pics. So what's your favorite place you travel to? Show some pics. Uh, can't wait to read some of those out and get to know you all better. Um, it'll also be a fun way for you all to, to see uh, each other and where you all go and what's happening in your life. Um, so... Uh, Let's get uh, started in a second. Um, I'm going to look around and see uh, who's in the room today. Give me a second to do that. Um, and while we do that, uh, we'll start reading out some of those fun comments. So um, let's get started. Bang on schedule uh, with some value. So as you all know, uh, one of the big goals of the show is to uh, give you the important news and updates for the day. Make sure that you have uh, knowledge of what's going on in the market um, and, uh, and and make sure you're all prepped for your day. And Mintify uh, sponsors the show so we can do that. So I've been using Mintify for a long time. It's a, a, an amazing tool for pro NFT traders, has world-class analytics, wonderful user experience. Um, they've also got a lifetime NFT pass. Uh, make sure to check them out at mintify.xyz. Um, and they've just been a loyal supporter of the show. I appreciate them. Uh, they are going to uh, read out uh, the Mintify market report. Uh, hit it the voice. Is the market up? Is the market down? Mintify. Let's find out as we look at the market daily report Mintify. brought to you by Mintify, the NFT terminal for Mintify. flow traders. Mintify. Appreciate that. Uh, thanks, the voice. Uh, hit it, Mintify. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for that. As always, uh, let's get into this market report for today. The total 24-hour volume, 33 and a third. Hopefully somebody uh, gets that reference. Highest sale, 155 ETH for other side land, 61,978. The top three collections for volume, Sewer Pass taking it in the lead again, as that uh, that game is pretty addicting, so I've heard. Just over 4K ETH traded, 2.97 ETH floor price, 42% up on the day. Board Ape Kennel Club number two, just over 600 ETH traded, 7.9 ETH floor price, up 12%. And then Mutants number three, mostly flat, but 440 ETH traded, 14.33 ETH floor price. I believe yesterday it was 14.4 or so. Some noteworthy market updates. Congress is getting ready to regulate crypto following the FTX fallout. Ron Hammond, the director of government relations at the Blockchain Association, said nothing spurs uh, legislation like a crisis. And e-lawmakers impose requirements on banks holding crypto. 
quote, banks will be required to hold a euro of own capital for every euro that they hold, every uh, every euro that they hold in crypto. Sorry about that. And uh, market updates, global crypto market cap, 1,048 billion over 1 trillion yet again. Bitcoin dominance, 42.13%. BTC open interest, just under 7 billion. Fear and greed at 52 with Bitcoin right around uh, 22,000. 900 pretty much flat on the day ethereum 16 18 also mostly flat down a little bit more about half percent and the s p hovering over 4k 4026 down about a quarter of a percent but up from uh, about a day and a half ago thank you very much appreciate it <laughs> that's like a mintify appreciation <laughs> saying i uh, appreciate y'all uh, mintify thank you um so fun to see uh, more of you streaming to the audience. Uh, Sammer, nice nice to see you. Thanks for being here. Pixel Property, appreciate you. Uh, 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 Blarbe, thanks for being here. Um, we're also seeing really fun comments from y'all where you've traveled to. So uh, make sure to smash that purple comment button and share uh, your, the, the most fun, most interesting place you've traveled to with some pics. Uh, we're seeing a bunch of these already. Y'all look like worldwide adventurers. Uh, Banana Candy says Himalayas, Nepal, with a, just an amazing shot. Um, I, I think that's maybe uh, Mount Everest behind them. Uh, don't, uh, don't quote me on that. Nice to see that. Uh, Ash says Costa Rica had an internship there studying fungi or fungi. Um, not sure uh, uh, your preferred way to pronounce that. Uh, Dilla Gorilla said, this is Brazil. Uh, wife is from Brazil, so we have been here a couple of times and never disappoints. It's amazing. And uh, one more from Ali. Paris, definitely, where I proposed to my ex-girlfriend, now wife, <laughs> with some uh, fun shots of Paris. I'm a big uh, Paris fan, so I, I share um, that love with you. Um, well, let's get into our next segment. Um as you all know, we want you to have the latest news, be up to date on what's going on. Uh, and we're fortunate to partner with Lucky Trader on that. I'm a big fan of LuckyTrader.com. It's really my go-to trusted source for news. They have a great team of analysts. They've also got a good show before this called The Lucky Lead-In. It's only 26 minutes. It's fast. It's all business. Um, so make sure to check that out. Uh, let's welcome to the show. Lucky Trader. What stories are moving the market? The Lucky Trader app brings you trusted NFT news anywhere you go. It's the Daily Dose News. Here's Lucky Trader. Lucky Trader. Thanks, The Voice. Appreciate it. Over to y'all at Lucky Trader. Welcome. Thanks, Ryan. And we appreciate you every day. And everyone, <laughs> welcome to Lucky Thanks. Trader's top news stories for today. Doodles have acquired the animation studio Golden Wolf. Golden Wolf produced Adult Swim show Rick and Morty, and Doodles say the acquisition will assist in their project's narrative storytelling and character development initiatives. Doodles and Golden Wolf will launch a new joint venture called Active Ingredient, aiming to reinvent storytelling and the tools used to make them a reality using AI and blockchain. The Floor app has acquired NFT analytics platform WGMI, furthering Floor's mission to make NFTs more understandable. Floor already boasts 20,000 monthly active users, and now WGMI's analytics features will be added to the Floor app, and WGMI NFT holders will gain full access to Floor and vice versa. Artblocks and Proof have both announced their upcoming event dates. The Artblocks Marfa open house will be September 21st to 24th of this year, and then the Proof event will be in Los Angeles on May 11th through 13th. Proof collective pass holders can claim one free ticket and purchase one at 50% off. Moonbirds holders can purchase two tickets at 50% discount, and Audis holders can purchase one ticket for 50% off. The announcement has once again raised the question about charging holders for events in the NFT space. In other news, Hello Moon launched a new developer platform on Solana. Hello Moon will provide direct access to on-chain Solana data through webhooks and APIs, allowing others to efficiently build platforms and services to broaden the Solana Web3 ecosystem. And last... Porsche debuted its 9-11 mint yesterday, only sold 1,400 out of 7,500 NFTs at their 0.911 ETH mint price. Though the mint still raised over $1 million, the failure to mint out has called into question how Porsche approached the NFT community in their pre-launch, along with how Web2 companies and brands can best enter the space. 
that one was tough to see. But some other good headlines from today. Ryan, that's it. Back to you. Thanks a lot, Trader. Appreciate you being here. Um, seeing a lot of fun comments from y'all. Uh, then uh, said, GM, just about to start driving, but joining in with a little uh, photo of them listening to Daily Dose in their car. Uh, it's fun to see. Crypto Bull said uh, where the, a fun place they traveled was Aruba. Aruba is one of my favorite vacation destinations. Enjoying a beautiful sunset with my beautiful fiance. Touche. I love it. <laughs> uh, Tito says, I-, I would definitely be Mexico, my girlfriend's country, and the place where I proposed to her. That picture is after the proposal. So it was a really cute uh, photo of them. Just happily engaged. Um, and then uh, got a fun one from Pachani. And they said, uh, Moscow has a special place in my heart uh, with a, a, a shot of the Kremlin. So fun to see that. Uh, I love how global you all are and where uh, your, your lives are fascinating to me. So thanks for sharing that. Keep it coming. Make sure to say hi to some of your friends that are next to you in the audience. Um, well, we've got a special guest today, which I'm excited about. Uh, we've got Chris Mattern uh, from Floor and Thomas Mancini from uh, WGMI. Uh, excited to to dig into the news there. Um, I, I've been a fan of WGMI forever. Um, I, I use it to track portfolio. So it was really fun to see um, this deal get done. Um, let's kind of kick it off first with a little bit of intro um, so the crowd uh, can learn all about you. Let's go to, we'll go to Chris first and then Thomas. Chris, why don't you give us kind of a 60 second, you know, uh, Tell us about yourself and a little bit a little bit about Floor, please. Over to you. GM, GM, thank you for having us. I'm a Welcome. long-time listener and uh, excited to be up here with you. I love the vibes. Uh, very positive Thanks. and approachable, Woo-hoo. which is really aligned with what we're trying to do, which is make NFTs a little bit more understandable, a little bit more accessible. Um, I'm a technologist. I've worked in Web2, been working in Web3 for the last two years. And even for myself, I found NFTs really, really hard to get into. And so Floor was part of my own personal journey of trying to make NFTs simpler for myself. Um, And then I just kind of realized how hard it is for so many folks, and particularly folks that aren't traditionally the set of people that are early adopters to get into this new and exciting world that we believe is going to be the future of the internet, um, decided that we really wanted to spend the next decade trying to bring people into Web3. So Floor's your NFT app. Uh, The Floor app brings everything together. uh, So you can at a glance, understand how you're doing, jump into news and updates, set up push notifications, watch collections, things like that. In fact, Lucky Trader, who you just heard from, powers a bunch of uh, our content as well as other partners. Um, And we're really just there to be that friend in your pocket that you pull out and say like, hey, what's going on in the, the world of NFTs? I like it. I need another friend in my pocket. So, um, I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, no, it's good to have you here. Obviously a doodles fan too. So, um, appreciate you stopping by and I have seen you in the audience. Uh, so it's been fun to see you supporting the show. Um, let's, uh, pass it over to Thomas. Uh, welcome. Good to see you. Um, you and I met way back in the proof days. Uh, and I, I started using WGMI back then. I loved it. Um, why do you give everyone just a quick 60 second? Who are you? Uh, and, and what's WGMI? Sure. GM, everyone. So happy to be here. And uh, yeah, definitely remember that first uh, proof meetup. Um, still have the OG Moonbirds hat. You, you were great. Everyone was great at that event. But uh, I'm Thomas Mancini. I was the creator of WGMI. So before starting WGMI, I was a software developer for you know about 10 years at the company that I started working for straight out of uh, university. And, um, you know, Got into the NFT space and, you know, was was quickly kind of uh, obsessed and, you know, into it just as, as much as everyone is, I think that that gets involved and, you know, identified a need for portfolio management tools and solutions and, uh, you know, was able to, to build a dashboard for myself to keep track of my own portfolio and uh, quickly identified that that was a, uh, you know, a huge need for others in the space to be able to, uh, you know, keep track of their own portfolios. Um, so, you know, went from it just being a tool that I used on my own and a hobby to uh, push it out to, you know, the public, which was in July of 2021. A few months after that, left left my job and went into, uh, you know, 
all into Web3 and, and trying to build out uh, you know, WGMI from taking it to a product into a business. So uh, it's the, definitely been quite a journey over the past year. You know, very happy to have crossed paths with uh, with Chris, you know, over our time building together. And um, yeah, just just really happy you to, are be today. to chat about it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I love it. Cool. Great to have you on the show. Um, and uh, I, I've always found you just to be a kind, supportive, uh, smart person in the space. So I uh, was glad to see this uh, this deal happen. I think it's it feels like a win win. And just for all of you listening, I always like to say this just so you know where I'm coming from. You know, I don't have a secret bag here or an incentive. I'm not, you know, an advisor or an investor in floor. Uh, we just want to get them up uh, to to comment on what's happening in the space. I, I'm a fan of the app, though, uh, so it's glad to, I'm glad to have both of them here. Um, before we dive into a couple questions for them. Uh, seeing some more uh, wonderful comments from you all about fun places you travel to with some picks. Uh, Val says, I have, I have to travel to a lot of places, but definitely Santorini, uh, Cappadocia, Abu Dhabi, Beijing was spectacular. So much culture, a lot of fun photos. And I'm pretty sure I said Cappadocia wrong, but I tried. Uh, and then uh, our very own Gigi says, I can't pick. My favorites include Greece, Spain, Hawaii, Costa Rica, with all sorts of fun photos, uh, traveling the globe. Um, I love seeing what y'all, what y'all do. Uh, dude says mystic mountain, uh, all else is silence and there's nothing but you and your line in front of you with like an epic picture of, uh, them. I think snowboarding, it could be skiing, but looks looking fab y'all. I feel like I just need to travel the world with all of you daily dosers. <laughs> we should do that. Um, all right, let's, let's dig in. Um, to the the subject of the day, there's a lot of interesting things going on with mergers and and acquisitions and and aqua hires. So we're going to dig into that after. But let's talk a little bit about uh, building a product live. So Chris, how have you been able to build a mobile app which can take a lot of time and, re- and iteration while also maintaining attention? Yeah, um, building floor has honestly been an incredible. Uh, privilege because it started out as just me and I didn't even really realize what I was doing while I was doing it I was kind of just tweeting about it because I didn't have anyone else to talk to about it so I was like, okay <laughs> oh, we'll just like you could have talked to it. me there you go uh, but floor <laughs> may never have happened if we'd done that uh, right fair and so what happened is you know then people were kind of following along and expressed interest in it and eventually posted out this tweet that was like hey we're kind of getting to a place where maybe a couple people can try using this thing and uh, it ended up getting retweeted hundreds, maybe even a thousand times and many thousands of people DM'd and said that they wanted to get access to this thing. And that was when we were like, Oh, I wonder if we can use an NFT to gate this and use uh-huh. it to build a little community around building this thing. And then over the past you know, 18 months almost now have been building with like kind of that same core group who's been you know, our first users and testers, but more than that, kind of the the life soul of the mission and kind of helping us figure out what their ideal NFT app is. And then, you know, we go make it for them. So was it, was it a web app first or was it always mobile first? No, it was always mobile first. Like I think mobile has, you know, from my time at Venmo back in the day, I think mobile has this really special property of boiling down use cases into their simplest form that you want to do multiple times a day. And it, that was really what I felt was missing because actually WGMI did exist and mm. you know, did a pretty good job at that. You know, I'm at my desk, I want to dig in, but I wanted something that I could pull out of my pocket and look at 10 times a day and, and do what I call the genius moron check. Am I up? Or am I down? Like, how's, how's it kind of going? <laughs> the genius moron test. I like it. So let, let, this kind of makes me think of another question, which I want to fall on to, which is attention, right? So, um, what you're really trying to design is something that captures people's attention, right? It's the app that they need to use, right? Um, how, where do you, where are we going with this, right? So when we think about Web3 and people's attention on certain apps, right? You've got wallets, you've got news sources, um, you've got entertainment experiences. Um, it, I, where are we going here? Like, and, and how do you see floor fitting into the attention span of your typical web three person when it comes to mobile apps? This is actually why I love joining the daily dose. This is such kind of a smart and thought out question. Uh, You're exactly right in your framing, um, which is 
if you think about Web3 as a more distributed version of social and a more distributed version of the internet and a more distributed version of opportunity, um, essentially what you start to have come out is very much like back in uh, you know, 2000, early 2000s, we had all this content on the internet and no good way to find it. The more decentralized we become successful at making the internet and Web3, the more of an opportunity there is to create the new homepage uh, that you come to and you use to at a glance understand what's happening with my NFTs as financial assets, what's happening with my NFTs as utility, and what's happening with my NFTs as they represent communities that sit behind them and what's kind of going on with my friends that sit inside of those things. And so very much like kind of the homepage of Reddit is the home front for a bunch of kind of quote unquote decentralized communities. I think if we're truly successful at creating a decentralized world of Web3, that attention sits where that homepage is. And financialized mm. assets is the first thing that's found some fit. But ultimately, I, I think there'll be more non-financial NFTs in a year or two than there are financial ones. Absolutely. And it'll be the utility behind them, the community behind them that you'll really want to keep track on. And that's where we want to play uh, at Florida. Got it. Yeah, that's in, it's an interesting dichotomy um, because I feel like there is a different... Um, uh, emotional effect when I'm checking financial assets versus the dopamine hits that I can get when I come on Twitter. Um, and the reason why to, I do those two different things, um, and it will be interesting to see, do they combine? Um, and if so, how, I mean, this is one reason we're not, we don't have any plans to, to, a dis, to do a discord for daily dose or the future project because it will instantly divide attention, right? I don't want that. Um, we're here on Twitter. That's, you know, we've all kind of accepted that. Um, so I'm kind of curious, where do you then see floor and other apps like it who are trying to, 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 to become that front page, you know, of web three, you know, as a mobile app, how do you see Twitter and, and apps like floor, uh, playing together or, 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 or battling for attention in the future? It's a great question. The, the people who are in web three today, um, while I think we all love them and love each other, um, probably look pretty different than the people who sit uh, in, in Web3 when it's broadly um, adopted by folks. And so I think today Twitter is the obvious kind of attention competitor. I think when you get further down the road, it probably becomes the more classical Instagrams, TikToks, um, places like that. The way I think about that is twofold. So one you know, there will always be attention in general purpose social networks like Twitter, Facebook, the most general purpose of social networks. You can talk about anything with anyone. You have like very broad, large connected groups. And I think that may be where some content gets exposed and particularly as our industry is nascent and more and more people are discovering it, bringing people from those communities into kind of more token native communities because essentially we're taking some of the same things and just placing it closer to the token and closer to the activity in a way that you can uh, kind of couple those things together much more natively. Mm. Yeah. I think at Carry scale, on. those things can become more competitive. Like today, you know, it, it would be a little bit absurd to convince myself that, you know, we're competing with Twitter uh, when in fact, if, 0.01% of Twitter's traffic accidentally made it into the floor app. <laughs> I'd probably like have melting servers on our hands. Like, and, and so we're very much downstream today, uh, but we'll see how that plays out in the long term. Yeah. It, I think it'll be fascinating to see. I personally, I don't think there's a near term future where uh, a tool like a floor or uh, um, there's, there's a lot of uh, similar ideas, you know, is the place you go for uh, the dopamine hits that you want from a social media like a Twitter. But it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But in the end, it's all about attention. Like it, it doesn't really matter um, how we bucket that. The, the, the fact is we have, you know, probably eight uh, focused hours a day, right? So, so how many of those minutes are going into, uh, you know, an app like Floor versus Twitter? Um, it'll be interesting to see it shake out. Um, I really, I, I think a lot of projects uh, are are making the mistake of building more and more walled gardens 
which actually put up more and more barriers to attention. Um, yeah. and, and it just feels like the more that communities can bring, you know, what they're doing into where the attention stream is, uh, the better, like, I, it'll be interesting to see in the future, like, how does a floor end up, you know, being bec- uh, a part of the attention stream span in Twitter? Um, I think you're doing it right now by being on a space, which is interesting. Um, but we'll see kind of how that plays out. Um, Tom, I want to ask you a couple questions. So the reason why I started using WGMI is because it's freaking hard uh, to value your assets. Um, you know, is it is it floor? Is it is it a sweep methodology? Is it you know targeting specific rarity traits? It is a nightmare, um, especially you know when you have collections that are illiquid, et cetera. So why don't you give us your idea of where you think valuation methodology is going in the future? Um, and, and, you know, will we see yet? Yeah, t- so why don't you just answer that? H- how should people think about valuing their collections and where are we going with this? Yeah, great, great question, Ryan. I mean, it's been, it, it's, I think a, a constant battle, especially as the market continues to change. So, you know, trade floors were all the rage in, you know, 2021 and I guess the beginning of 2022, when there was a ton of hype in the market and a ton of liquidity and, you know, rare traits and rare assets were highly sought after. And, you know, it made sense to be able to value your portfolio by trade floors. You know, at the same time, it could have given a lot of us, including myself, an unrealistic expectation of, hey, this is my, this is what my portfolio is worth right now, you know, and if you're basing decisions off of that and and, uh, you know, continuing to do so, you know, I think it was definitely something where, uh, you know, led to could have led to some problems or could have led to you thinking you had, you know, a much higher net worth than you actually do. Um, you know, so we've tried to make a lot of changes on the site over the past few months, you know, to, uh, you know, based on what we're seeing in the market. So being able to value your portfolio now based on offers is something that I think is very important because, you know, this is something that an offer is actually a value someone's willing to pay for, you know, the NFT that you're holding. So, you know, being able to do so by offers is something that, you know, I think was, was, you know, a good value add to be able to do so on a project by project basis. You know, I think being able to really tweak every project's different, you know, and even assets within those projects are different as well. So, you know, giving users the ability to value their portfolio as they see fit is something that I think, um, you know, the users have, have appreciated, Um, You know, but I think, you know, the last part of your question was, where do we see things moving as we go forward? You know, I think the Floor app does a great job of using machine learning to try to identify and and add all of those factors into, you know, the value of each of the assets and the overall value of your portfolio. And I think machine learning, AI, you know, and those types of technologies as we continue to move forward are going to be really important to take the mass amounts of data and analytics and different formulas that are out there to, to truly, you know, give you an idea of what these values are worth or what these assets are worth. Yeah. Gosh, it, it is interesting to see, and it's kind of shocking and not very fun to see the value of your collection based off of offers. Um, I noticed that blur, uh, has this P and L, uh, uh, stat where you can basically say, Hey, what's my profit or loss on this? And it's based off of the current, uh, um, offer. And it's pretty shocking, um, you know, where you think, you know, you think you have a certain uh, value to, uh, uh, you know, one of your collections and you just, pro- you just probably don't. Um, and when I, you know, when I decided to step away from uh, uh, proof and then start a venture fund, I, I felt it was very important to um, have zero conflict of interest between my personal holdings and the fund. So I, I liquidated my entire NFT portfolio and it was a, it was a real shocking uh, lesson to learn, you know, it, it, many of these were not as liquid as I had hoped. Um, the, the truth was the price was what someone was willing to pay, not the floor price necessarily. Uh, and I think all, all of us should kind of go through that, you know, collect a couple of things, then try to sell a couple of those things and actually get a sense for, for what kind of liquidity and, and value you might have in that collection. Um, so I think that's why floor and, and, WGMI and other tooling like that, you know, the, the valuation methodolo- methodology on Blur, for instance, it, these are good data points that we should all be looking at uh, when we think about the value um, of the collection we have. Um, it, it's it's great to have you both here to chat that through. Um, also, Frank, thanks for stopping by. Uh, it'd be interesting to get some of your thoughts as we carry on uh, on this. Um, 
uh, I saw Clemente's hands first and then I'll, I'll go to you, Frank. Thanks, Ryan. Uh, yeah, quick. I think this question also might apply for, for Frank as he's building these things out is Chris, I'm curious as far as building an app, given that you, you had experience building Venmo, a really simple to use a payment app versus now building floor. What, what are the, some pros and cons that come with rolling out some of the changes that you see to that can basically get instant and pretty intimate feedback in the web three world? Um, and how do you balance building those products and, and gathering feedback in an effective way? And, and I'm curious what if, if Frank has anything to add to that as well. Yeah, Web3 is like a product manager's dream. Um, you know, or or nightmare. <laughs> true, true. Probably very close to each other. Um, so we had in the beginning, and it's very much migrated away from Discord and kind of into real-time feedback mechanisms in the app itself now. But for the first six months, you know, we had a thousand users sat in a chat room with us every day who passionately cared about the space and the problem that we were solving together. And were telling us in real time, you know, what was working for them and what wasn't working for them, giving us their ideas. You know, we were riffing with community members. And like, if I think about even having a user base of, you know, close to 20 million people at Venmo, our ability to actually in distill insight from what people really meant and really wanted was probably less than we had with these thousand users uh, in a Discord who just like really passionately cared about understanding their NFTs because you know we're in the height of a bull market at the time and they were just super on top of stuff. And you know the changes we were making were making day-to-day differences to their ability to understand what was happening with something that was, for many of them, a, a significant financial asset and certainly a, a significant interest. So it's been, it's been wild and amazing. I think you've done a good job of iterating and, and being friendly and welcome and and, and opening, um, which I think is kind of product management in Web three one hundred one. Um, so it's been it's been good to see that. Um, Frank, it's good to have you here. We were talking about attention, right? And in the end, all this comes down to is is the attention economy. You know, are you paying attention to a floor app or a uh, you know a tool X Y Z or a collection or a Discord? What do you, where what's your take on that? Yeah, so I think you can break it down to first principles at the core level. There's an oversupply of NFTs. And so only the NFTs that are able to maintain some level of attention or relevance will continue to have liquidity, buyers, and actual activity around them. But the natural state when there's an oversupply of NFTs is for every NFT to, by default, trend towards zero. And so I think when you look at it in that perspective it makes it very clear that it's important that NFT projects have some method or some ability to maintain relevance over a longer period of time. Um, and that's just not guaranteed. And it's a, it's a hyper-competitive market at the end of the day. And there is a, an abundance of people constantly vying for attention. And when you break it down to attention, it's not, it's not even just about like uh it's not even just about other nft projects it's about what's happening on tiktok that day it's about what's uh you know what that girl said to you over text that she's not replying or whatever it is and so i'm curious i actually think this parlays into a question for floor that uh i've been wondering honestly for a while is i guess like i've been following the journey relatively and i wanted to understand is the eventual goal for people to make content like specifically for floor as a creator and as a project, because I always wonder about this stuff with announcement aggregation that, you know, I would obviously benefit more from theoretically just posting something to Twitter where it's going to get more uh, engagement. What, what, what do you feel is like the main demographic towards, uh, you know, four floor users and is the eventual, yeah. Like, can you tell me more about what it looks like for native content to floor and what that, what you guys think might be good ideas for that? <laughs> That's a, uh... That's an awesome question. Um, it's good to chat, by the way, Frank. Uh, there's so many things we're excited about here. And you know, I think at the core of it, we want to help more people feel close and understand their assets and feel closer and understand the projects and the other people that sit inside of those communities. And importantly, I don't think that means recreating Discord. I don't think like freeform chat rooms and that is actually a particularly good way to capture either one, the kind of important structured communication between projects and their holders. Um, but I think it's also not always the ideal way uh, for people to interact. Like I think we've seen all sorts of challenges in how discords end up becoming kind of culturally. And so 
There are a few things that we can say for sure. Uh, we have this core user base of people who are holders and are active in these communities who uh, want to provide context and uh, want to curate on behalf of the things that they care about. So if you think about each individual community, there are, you know, on average five to 10K people, and there's like 500 to 1,000 passionate advocates who really want to help get the word out and like help other people understand the culture of their collection. That So, you know, first question is, how do we empower those people to find a home on floor to kind of help represent the collections and communities that they care about? Then from a NFT discovery standpoint, how do we help people understand what's happening um, inside of the space through the lens of the people that they care about? So at Venmo, the reason that we created the social feed was actually not because we thought that uh, everyone would sit and look at each other's payments all day long, although it turned out we were wrong and they did. It was actually just about social proof. It was about helping a user that joined Venmo understand, oh, some of my friends are doing this and therefore it's safe. And some of my friends are doing this is I think like one of the most powerful social signals that exists in the world. And so helping people to understand what people are doing around them, uh, why they're doing it, whether that's their friends, whether that's like following Ryan or yourself, and then being able to create structured discourse around that. You know, in terms of the medium, I don't know if like we focus on aggregation or if we focus on kind of original um, creation. I, we're playing with both. We're partnering with Lucky Trader on content. We're partnering with a couple kind of aggregators. We're now partnering with some big collections and testing out what it would look like to have you know, the doodles announcement comes straight through push notification to mm. their holders. I think creating a channel uh, that's high attention, highly curated can be really powerful. Yeah, I think push, three of those I, things. I, Sorry. I, think pu Sorry. I think push notifications is an interesting reason to have a native app. Um, and uh, I, it's interesting that you're connecting the dots on there. Okay, I'm a holder of doodles. Uh, I have the floor app and I've allowed you to do push notifications and then bada bing. Right now, now Doodles has a path to get a push notification to you without having to do a Doodles app. I think that's a game changer. But I, here's what I think we need, and I'm I'm curious if if you all are already working on this. Um, I feel like in order to value any NFT, you actually need an intention metric. Um, and unless you really understand how much attention you can quantify at a project is garnering, um, you really don't know the value of it. Um, you could say you've got collection offers or you've got uh, uh, volume, um, but the truth is, where's the attention? And then the problem with that is you have to quantify it further. Okay, what if you have someone who's an influencer who's being paid to talk about a project? Like, that's not true attention. Uh, that should be downgraded. Um, if What if you have someone who does have a lot of uh, influence you know, genuinely promoting a project? That should count more. There's just so much nuance to that. Um, so I, I'd like to see an attention metric wound into, uh, you know, collection values. Uh, Frank, I see your hand. Yeah, well, I, I just want to throw some challenging questions around this because, you know, for example, the push notification idea. I mean, so this is how we've operated typically, and, and there might be a good reason for why we shouldn't do this. But usually when I make like an at everyone announcement on uh, Discord, I, I always just link to a tweet. And, and the reason is like, if you think about it, just net benefit from just linking to the tweet is that people would have to go to the tweet to read the actual announcement. And uh, that, that's just going to lead them to be more likely to retweet it, which is going to get more spread around the announcement. And, and most of the time, like an announcement is something that's both internal facing, but also external facing, because you want other people that are not in the community right now to see that and be excited and for that to be a catalyst. And so I'm, I'm curious kind of how you guys like what what category of content do you feel is deserving of a push notification? And, uh, you know, like, yeah, what, what do you think about on the notification side versus, you know, the feed where you're looking at it? Um, yeah, we'd just love to hear you guys talk about that. I, I have a quick thought on that. And then, Chris, I'll pass to you. I, I, I think you always have to work backwards from what will cause discussion. Um, like, pushing out information is not interesting or valuable saying, Hey, Hey, FYI, don't forget that, you know, this is the mint window, uh, blah, blah, blah. Like that doesn't cause any engagement or attention or interest. Uh, to me, it's always working backwards from what will cause people to spend their attention allowance on this. 
Um, and Frank, I remember you were talking to Carly once and you said, you know, you always work backwards from the tweet. Um, and I think there's so much value to that. Um, and, and that's honestly my strategy is think about the tweet and work backwards because there's no, what, what happens if you spend your attention budget, you're good. You think about attention as a bank account, right? You've got, uh, you know, debits and credits, right? If you start spending those on uh, announcements that aren't interesting or worth discussing, you start to degrade the value of the attention you have and you lose it. Um, and so it's, just, it, it is a battle though. It's, it's always thinking about that. And, and, you know, then you've got a floor app or any other app that's trying to provide factual data, you know, lucky trader or mintify. They also need to, uh, uh, disseminate valuable info that, and that isn't always salacious or interesting, uh, but it is important. So, um, Chris, I'll pass it back to you, uh, uh to kind of respond to Frank, um, go for it. Yeah, I think, I think you both hit so many, uh, great points. And I think it ties back to what Ryan was saying before as well. Um, so I think for us, first and foremost, you know, you just said kind of starting with attention or what creates discourse. We actually have a slightly different North Star from a product development standpoint, which is, you know, we are there for the user. And so, you know, we're not there to optimize for kind of aggregate network activity or exposure of content. You know, we have this trusted position in people's pocket where, you know, when they open the app, you know, our algorithms choose what's top of that feed. Um, our algorithms choose what goes through push notifications and you know, bothers them at any time of the day. And so everything's kind of lined up around, first and foremost, do we think this is the most relevant piece of content for this user at this time? You know, Facebook learned the hard way um, or the successful way, depending on how you look at it. There's a lot of different ways that you can look at uh, what right for that user, what important relevant for that user means. And in particular, as you start to measure uh, the way that people interact with things, if you say, you know what, I think things that people retweet is the best measure of like what they want to engage with. You can end up with this kind of self-reinforcing activity loop. So for us, uh, I think everything will always be centered around that individual person. Um, you know, Frank, Ryan, I think you are both very kind of naturally multiplayer native people. Uh, you're actually among the best community builders out there. I think Floor is actually a single player native thing that's learning to be in multiplayer mode. And we have to kind of each person's phone is their own autonomous agent that goes out into this, you know, increasingly social version of floor. Uh, we'll be launching user profiles in the coming month, but represents them and ensures that they're, um, you know, getting what they want to out of this experience. That's fascinating. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be so interesting to see how this plays out. Like I can't wait uh, to, to see it live. Um, I appreciate you stopping by Luca. How's it going? GM, GM. GMGM. Are you doing a workout or anything exciting right now? Ah, uh, definitely not anything exciting. Just uh, <laughs> envying Frank in Tokyo because that's Oof. some place. I was actually we evacuating. <laughs> no way. What's going on? No, nah, I mean like it's not that serious, but I mean there's like the most intense weather that there's been in like ten years. I just don't want to get fucking stuck in Tokyo, so we have to go to <laughs> Singapore for this polygon. Oh, thing. No, I love like, pipe. Yeah. I love you just bad. here with us while you're doing that. Yeah, we moved our flight to the morning, and so we're staying up tonight and packing all of this shit. Uh, we're trying to figure it out. So yeah, and multitasking. All right. all right. Well, good. Glad you're here. I didn't realize that. So glad you're uh, here through the excitement, um, Luca. Good to have you here. So let's transition to the next subject, which fits perfectly uh, with the speakers that we've got on stage, uh, and it is about how projects build sustainable revenue streams. Uh, and and how that fits into the attention economy, uh, and I'm definitely curious to to hear Frank and Luca's take on this, along with uh, Chris and and Tom as well. So here's here's what is sparking this conversation, right? So as we all saw, uh, you know, Proof announced Proof of Conference yesterday, um, and there was a lot of discussion around that, and and the fact that you know Moonbirds felt a certain way about it oddities felt a certain way about it compared to proof holders and it creates this whole dynamic right and you know events are a revenue stream right for projects that they can potentially tap into like many other things and so i'm really curious how this is going to shake out and how project founders are going to navigate this so 
that we've seen in the past, a lot of projects simply mint another collection, right? To drive revenue, to drive expansion, um, uh, to, to increase their community. Uh, but as we see a market downturn happening, right? Those follow-on collections are going through hardship and then they start to feel left out of the core community. And then the project founders are trying to figure out how to include them. Um, so where do we see NFT projects building revenue streams that create value to their holders uh, and also navigate the fact they have different tiers of holders. Um, I, I know, Luca, Luca, you just are shipping some new stuff uh, as we speak, and I'm curious, how do you see this playing out? Yeah, I think I'll kind of just speak to the audience for a moment and let people know that if you're part of an NFT project, I'm a firm believer that the founder or the leadership group of that NFT project has to create a revenue stream that's outside of royalties. And so the reason why I believe that is, or outside of royalties and mints, because I'm a firm believer that when you're a business owner, you have to be able to control your destiny. And the unfortunate part about royalties and mints is there's too many macro bull and bear conditions that dictate the outcome and the success of that revenue stream. And so to give you guys some context, one month, you could make half a million dollars in royalties. And then the next month, you could make $50,000. But it won't be your fault. It'll be because FTX decided to steal everyone's money and Ethereum took a 50% haircut. And entrepreneurship rule number one is you have to be able to control your own destiny. And unfortunately, the, the mechanism in which royalties and mints are kind of derived is a mechanism that unfortunately you can't control. And so whether it's events whether it's SaaS products, whether it's DDC or CPG products, at some point in time, if you really want to play the long game and you want to sustain, you have to generate an outside form of revenue. Like it's a, it's Amen. an unequivocal have to do it. <laughs> you so, got to build a business. <laughs> yeah. Like it, it, it's, it's a non-negotiable. I knew this coming into, you know, before we bought Pudgy, it was like a huge part of our plan. Uh, but I just wanted to kind of just lay the foundation of this conversation that I really do believe it's a, it's a necessity. Now, I think Makes sense. there's one exception in the space that I think has built their brand to the level where I think they can be self-sustaining without maybe that priority. But I think to compare everybody else to the, to the leader, I think is just not a, a reasonable approach. And so, yeah, it's not realistic No, And, um, you know, our approach and, and kind of how I see it is I think there's, a, you know, I, I think depending on which angle and which vertical, there's a lot of pros to these things. So we'll use the proof conference, for example. That's a really great moment for people to build relationships and cultivate friendships, which I think is really important. Uh, and so that's a great way to generate revenue while also, you know, adding some sort of value that's just beyond that revenue stream. You know, on the pudgy penguin side, you know, our vision is we believe that we can be the Trojan horse for the space. And so to be the Trojan horse, you have to invade the hearts and minds of everyday consumers. But to invade the hearts and minds, you have to invade the home. And to invade the home, you have to have a product to do that, right? And so toys, collectibles, plushies, you know, this is kind of how I see, you know, brand expansion in a way that I think today digital collectibles are not there yet. Now they will be. But I think but not to, yet. To, to get the mass market familiar with NFT IP and NFT technology, I think there has to be somebody to really trailblaze a consumer product brand that transcends the small ecosystem we have today. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks, and, Luca. I, I love your take. Um, but And you all know uh, I, uh, I'm a big fan of Pudgy, so I've got a bag here that, I'm, that, I, that you all need to be aware of, but I, I'm a big fan of what they're doing. Um, and what the way look Luca's looking at it and actually building a real business. Um, so I, I, I appreciate you stopping by Luca. Um, Frank, you know, as you, I mean, you all, uh, you know, have expanded the collection D gods to Utes, um, and then you're doing all sorts of interesting things, uh, you know, moving to polygon and, and I'm, I'm, I'm curious how do you, and I know it's impossible to know, but how do you see delivering value, uh, to, to all of your holders as time goes on whilst also, uh, you know, waging the attention war. Yeah. I mean, I think I'll, I'll address kind of what you said earlier too on, on this idea of like projects needing to find sustainable revenue. 
and just to make things interesting for the space, one of the things I always say is like, there's not a lot of evidence right now in the space that, that sustainability is a word that you can use for JPEGs that are ultimately all the way on the furthest end of the risk spectrum possible for like a investment vehicle. And uh, so, so I think like when people are trying to evaluate NFT projects and people that did this over the course of the last year based on sustainability, they, they lost in like a big way and they missed the forest for the trees. And I think that NFTs are an interesting industry because they are just driven by exponential growth. And so like one of my favorite examples here is, you know, I don't know how many people know this, but I think when the year that Apple released AirPods, uh, AirPods did, I think, $9 billion in, in revenue that year, which was more revenue than Uber, uh, Spotify, Shopify, and I believe Postmates. Combined, <laughs> it's, just, or, it's just mental. Yeah, yeah, no, it's absolutely nuts. And and so you, you can look at businesses, Apple being quite literally like the biggest business in the world. And and that was an exponential growth moment for, for that company was launching what is essentially a massive hit product. And so I think NFTs are much closer right now to the hits business uh, than they are to a sustainable model, because it, at the end of the day, it's a two year old industry and people that are trying to pattern match it to, you know, what they see in a business or an industry that is hundreds of years old, dozens of years old, I think you're, again, missing for the, the, the forest for the trees. And so for me, when I think about, you know, battling the attention economy and how do you continue to provide value for holders, it, it seems like a cop-out answer, but I think it's the right answer, which is, you know, it, it really is case by case. Like every project is at a different place with a different issued supply, with a different holder base, with a different, you know, context that's around it. And so I think the solutions and the creative things that a project does is going to is going to be different, honestly, depending on which project it is. Um, so wh when I look at what is going to drive growth or value for DGOT holders and for Ute holders over a long period of time, I think that there's interesting models that we can do, whether that's, you know, I, I don't even want to say too much of it right now, but I think there's just <laughs> interesting ways to take it based on the context of where that project is at. And I think DGOTs and Utes quite literally have a, a very cult-like community and it's an intense community and all of us are just diehard and that's just the nature of that community. So that mm. lends itself to different possibilities than with Luca, for example, that has an immaculate brand that is ripe for, you know, plush dolls and mainstream stores and, and building out a, a physical product business and integrating that into different things. So I think that th there are different routes for different projects and even what you mentioned with Proof, like that's just one angle of the mm. hundred different angles that projects can take today. And it's going to be the projects that I'll bring it all the way back in full circle and I'll stop monologuing when it comes <laughs> to the attention economy, like being differentiated is ultimately what drives that attention. Because when something is just the same as everything else, it makes it, it makes people numb to it and not interested. And so projects that are, have their own lane and are very clearly differentiated and are doing things that are exciting are ultimately going to be the projects that win, win in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. I mean, you're basically saying, hey, we need to be extremely mentally elastic uh, in this two-year-old business uh, while we figure it out. Um, and I hear you loud and clear on that. Um, uh, we're seeing a lot of great comments come in from y'all uh, in the audience as well. Uh, for instance, uh, obg.e says, partnerships with Web3 brands, collaborative building, and thoughtful and meaningful links with Web2 companies and services are the way to go expanding our native ecosystem while working slowly towards mainstream onboarding. Boom. Like, I, I think you nailed it. Um, and it will be interesting to see various projects partner up, right, and actually build more value uh, collectively. Uh, so I love that comment. Um, and before I go to, uh, to Goss, good to see you, by the way. I want to call it some more fun uh, comments about where you all have traveled to because the question of the day was, where have you been? Social pictures. Uh, uh, we had one from Cornell that said, Greece, love the food, love the sea, love the people. Uh, hope I will move there someday. The beautiful pick. And then Holly uh, Rosnowski said, my favorite travel is always influenced by who I'm with. Within the last year at VCon, uh, that have to be it. Hope to meet all the Daily Dosers this year. Absolutely. By the way, I'm speaking at VCon this year, so come on out. We'll have a Daily Dose meetup. Um, Gossamer, good to see you. Uh, how's it going? Hey, hey, GM, everyone. Um, it's great to be here today. Um, usually just like waking up at this hour. So, um, no, you're not. Yeah. I know you're always awake. I love it. I know. It's it's ridiculous. Um, yeah. So this, you know, this this particular topic is one of my favorite things to 
be trying to problem solve right now. And I, I really agree deeply with what Luca and Frank have been talking about. Um, I think one of the most important things to just add is that it's important to choose a lane um, that your project's going to build towards and stick with that. Um, and it's, it's really, really important to define to your holders and define your project as a whole um, exactly what product you're building, why you're building it, what the direction is and, and what your plans are for like, you know, a legacy type situation where you have, mm. you know, 10, 15, 20 years and beyond um, and, and trying to find something that's actually sustainable and, and, and go in that direction, Absolutely. whether it's trying to make, you know, a fashion brand or trying to it's, it's like it's like it's like, will you dip your toes into like 15 different things like are you also a community are you also like a you know like a social community are you also like uh doing merch are you doing like a little bit of gaming like when you start to dip your toes into too many different um it's bad you know, yeah you yeah, like double down on your superpower right exactly like you just it's just impossible to um unite everything under all these different little pieces um when you're not really focused on one singular project now Absolutely. for like a brand that is like massive like yuga um you know it there's it's totally different when you have you know the hiring power to have a team that can um work in all those different avenues like a traditional web 2 company it's very different but if you're a startup like most of us are coming out of you know starting a new project it's yeah really we're not important. yuga mm -hmm. it's nope. really important to not over 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 you know take yourself and like pull yourself too far in one direction Amen. especially with over hiring and things like that and spreading yourself too thin exactly yeah i think have that runway like you were talking about ryan that's really critical absolutely and I, I think it's interesting to see tiger bob you know evolve and double down on one of your superpowers you know and, and now you're producing luxury fashion right so it's kind of fun to see uh everything evolve towards people's strengths um you know, we see Luca going down towards his strength, at, at attention, mass adoption, boom, you know, and I think Frank uh, has a superpower of engaging in an authentic way folks who grew up in the DGEN community. And where is that going? Um, <laughs> you're laughing, but you know, I'm right. Um, and it's impressive, right? And people doubling down on what they're good at. Um, so love to see that. Um, I, As you all know, we're trying to save a daily doser who's been sent to the future uh there's been clues that are coming out and it looks like we got another another transmission oh daily dosers things have gotten unbelievable i'm in the city but i don't know where i feel like everyone's staring at me it's probably this lab coat Someone in the Daily Dose community must be able to help me find this tweet, find this clue. Oh my God, y'all, we need you. So please, I, I believe that the... right now I am literally shaking. <laughs> this is serious, and I I think maybe in Tokyo you can even be more helpful, Frank. So. Uh, double down on that clue. Um, so make sure to check the Daily Dose feed, y'all. I believe she sent it through that account. Um, good luck. Uh, in fact, there is going to be a whole Twitter space uh, by the amazing Daily Dose Asia crew uh, digging into this. Uh, Clemente, if you could uh, post a link to that. Um, our uh, friend Puke Rainbow out there uh, is helping host that with a bunch of Daily Dose Asia friends. Um, it's so fun to see you all try to solve this. I actually dip in and out of these spaces where you're all trying to figure out the clues and it's the best. And I think you all are, are doing a good job. So good luck. We've got a couple more days still to, to hopefully receive some transmissions from the future. Um, so y'all uh, let's transition back into um, the subject in the show. Uh, I, I've really enjoyed uh, this conversation, you know, starting with uh, floor WGMI, uh, the acquisition news on that to the attention uh, battle and economy and, and, you know, having a friend in your pocket as a mobile app and where does that fit in with projects and, and the attention war, uh, you know, all the way into what is the actual sustainable business model here uh, and, and how are people going to figure this out? Um, seeing a couple more interesting comments come in uh, from you all that are listening. Uh, uh, 
S-S-L-Y-X. I think it's like sillyx.eth. Um, y'all, make it easier with your usernames on me. I'm, I'm doing my best. Um, they said, find a real world business and use Web3 NFTs to market it. Starbucks is a good example, but anything could work. Just replace your marketing budget with Web3. Um, I love it. Uh, I, I've been preaching this gospel, you know, engagement, uh, reward, uh, true community. That, that is what Web3 unlocks. Um, so I love that take. Um, let's go uh, um, to a couple more uh, comments from the crowd. And then I think we'll, uh, we'll wind it up and, and send everybody um, on their lovely day moving forward. Um, Trey, uh, TR4man, they said, it's really complicated, but I think creating a product that people need and pay for. The simplest example so far is games. How much money per year does Fortnite earn for some skins? Imagine passing that to Web3. So straight up, offer a product, charge money for it, uh, market it through Web3. Uh, I think that's an interesting example. Um, thanks, Frank, for stopping by. Luca, thanks for stopping by. Appreciate y'all. Um, and Frank, please uh, make it safely wherever you're going, hopefully. Um, Chris and Tom, really good to see you as well. Excited about uh, you all. Um uh, announcing this news. I think also uh, you offered up a, a deal um, uh, for everybody listening. Chris, what was that? Yeah, so uh, floor is still actually invite only, uh, but we'd love to get all the daily dosers uh, in past the wait list. So I think Clemente uh, had tweeted it a little bit ago. It was pinned up at the top. Uh, use that link. Um, you can get a free access pass and come join us in the floor app. We'd love to have Bada you. Bing. Fab. Um, thanks for for offering that. Um, appreciate it. Clemente, over to you, sir. Yeah, real quick. Last question I had for, for Chris um, and maybe Tom, because th- this whole idea is, it was crazy how all in one day we had a, we had this little bit of a series of, of kind of acquisition style uh, pieces happen. And if, if you can, because I think a lot of us see these announcements and we see it drop, but we don't see the behind the scenes and the work and kind of time that went into it. Um, so either Chris or Tom, if you have, you can in like 30 to 60 seconds, maybe just shed some light on, on what went into this, this acquisition, why it made sense from a business point of view. And then maybe like from first idea, initial conversation to finally it being announced, how long did it take? If, if you kind of uh, educate us on it a little bit, thanks. I'll take 30 seconds and I'll give uh, Tom the other 30. Yeah. So uh, I've known Tom for over a year and, you know, we've spent a lot of time during that time talking about overlaps and you know, potential quote unquote synergies. Um, you know, when this really became a real conversation was uh, last November. Um, and so it probably took around 60 days uh, to go from start to end, which I think was a little longer than both of us were hoping. Uh, but we're really building floor to be uh, an enterprise that can go on and you know, we can raise more venture capital and like we can be acquired by a really big company without a ton of risk. And so we need to make sure that we do everything right. Um, so most of that was just time with lawyers. And for us, it's about team. Uh, you know, Tom is obviously an incredible builder. Um, it's about kind of the overlap of opportunity, uh, both in kind of what we've built and what our users are looking for. Um, and then the ability to have a shared vision and go at the market together. That was uh, really clearly there and uh, really, really excited to go forward together. Don't know what I used, but I'll hand over to Tom now uh, for the balance. Yeah, thanks for the uh, question, Clemente, and the handoff, Chris. I know we're uh, up at time here. So, yeah, I mean, I think just in, in meeting Chris and in speaking to him and everyone on the team, I mean, the, the fit between community, products, you know, future vision, um, you know, just people like, you know, I think we knew right off the bat that, uh, you know, it was going to be a great fit. Unfortunately, with some of these deals, there's a lot of other things that need to, to come together, you know, from from a legal and official standpoint. So I think, you know, it's almost like, I don't know, probably a weird analogy, but, you know, it was a little love at first sight. And then it's like, all right, you need to meet the family, you know, meet other people and just kind of see if everyone, you know, gets along and like, luckily, you know, loved the team, loved everyone else. And, you know, there definitely was some holdup on, you know, attorney sides, but just making sure everything was good to go. And I think like that's definitely required to make sure, you know, there is a good, good pairing, a good fit, and then everyone can kind of move forward in a, you know, it, with a joint entity. So I Love think, it. Uh, yeah, it was a great experience it, though. It, that deals never uh, uh, are as short as you want them to be. So it's fun to hear. Um, every deal goes through some fun before it gets done. So um glad it happened though. Congrats y'all. 
Um, want to call it one amazing comment from you all in the crowd. Uh, to the moon, uh, 525.ether said, listening to the daily dose from a unique spot today. My son was born 15 minutes ago. Woo woo. Oh my God. So throw up some clapping hands, some hearts uh, for a two to moon. Uh, amazing, amazing to hear about your new baby boy. Congrats. That's so cool. Um, he uh, born a born daily doser. <laughs> so amazing to hear that. Y'all, what a joy to be with you today, to hang out, um, to hear from experts on stage, but also uh, to, to, to learn more about your life in the audience. Thanks for sharing your comments, your support. Uh, we love you all. Um, thanks to uh, Mintify, as always, and Lucky Trader for supporting the show and bringing value. Uh, thank you to Clemente and the team for uh, helping make the show happen. Uh, and thanks to The Voice for some fun. Um, y'all, it's been a fun day. Uh, we can't wait to hang out with you again tomorrow. Good luck solving that clue. Uh, don't forget to tune in to uh, the show that's right after this, The Daily Dose Detective uh, by uh, Puke Rainbow, and see if you can uh, help solve the clue. Um, Clemente, why don't you take us out with some tunes? <laughs> 